Welcome back to Pod is a Woman, an honest, unfiltered conversation about the current state of politics and pop culture from three veterans of the Obama White House, who also happen to be friends. I'm Alejandra. I'm Darian. And I'm Johanna. And today we're joined by Alexandra O'Neill, founder and designer of luxury women's wear label Markarian, and also the designer who dressed First Lady Jill Biden at the inauguration, that beautiful ocean blue coat and dress. We want to talk to her about fashion, but also about the implications of what women wear on the way that they're perceived. I know all of us have a lot of thoughts about this. And we all experienced it in one shape or form. I remember coming in and all of the critiques and compliments that were given to First Lady Michelle Obama when she came in and that, you know, trickled down to the staff and what we were wearing. The I remember the first New York Times article that I did I was so heavily criticized in the comment section, and we all know that you should never read the comment section about what I had on and how did I not have a budget for fashion. And I was just so struck by why that even mattered when it came to my abilities to perform my job. It's. It, I'm so sorry, Darian. I remember that you went through so much publicly with that New York Times article. I think every one of us has seen some level of enhanced criticism. Like you can never be whoever it is expects you to be. And I think we see it in all sorts of women's wear at the White House. Well, unfortunately, it was something we had to think about, right, ladies? Because Mm -hmm. I remember very purposely going to a Marshalls or an Ann Taylor, whatever was across the street from the White House, to get the boxiest, most unattractive, loosest fitting clothing I could find when we first started. Because as young women, I mean, I was... 29, I think, when I started at the White House as young women in our 20s, we were very concerned with being taken seriously. You know, you're at that point in your career where you've gotten to, you know, really what you're thinking is the pinnacle of your work, you know, at the White House. But the last thing you want is a focus to be on your body and people projecting onto what that means about yourself and your abilities and your intelligence and so on. I just wanted to sink into a cloud of ill-fitting polyester <laughs> and, and flats and just kind of sink into the background for a lot of reasons, for the same reasons that you're talking about, Darian, me going through my own experience of stereotyping around femininity as well, but also because you're trying to control the way you're perceiving it. At that time, young women, we didn't really feel like in Washington at that time, we were allowed to have a full experience of femininity as well as be taken seriously. Well, you couldn't be your most authentic self. There was such an increased level of scrutiny as you know the first black president. And with the administration, you didn't want to do anything that might embarrass the president of the United States. And I think that I held that with so much regard, I wanted to make sure that we were making this administration proud. And I remember my mom on one of those summer days, I decided, you know, I'm not going to wear, I'm going to go to work bare legged under my dress. I'm not going to wear stockings. And my mom just said, you will not embarrass this family. You will put on pantyhose. And now when I think about it, like, (laughs) I don't ever wear pantyhose. 
it, it, that's the thing. It wasn't just like that we had these expectations of ourselves. We were actually told this by people. And, you know, like even our moms, like I think they were well-intentioned, but I remember standing for some Christmas party. I was very pregnant and I was in heels the whole time because I had to look the part. And finally afterwards, my mom, you know, she had called her mom about it and she was so proud. And I'm like, did you tell her that you made your daughter stand in heels? for pregnant for hours <laughs> it's generational it has to be and it's so nice to see this newer generation and i hope that you know the biden team comes in feeling like they can bring their most authentic self to work because we are realizing that women have been judged so harshly for so long for their appearances and the correlation between your intelligence and your beauty is something that is incredibly unfair to place on women. Absolutely. I mean, I, as I mentioned in our interview in a few minutes with Alexandra, I mean, I I wrote something, I wrote a whole op-ed about this when I was running for Congress, because it became so evident to me. I remember meeting with a well-known male community leader. And when we were introduced before I even had a chance to open my mouth, he shook my hand and said, I see the articles were right, referring to pictures he had seen of me online. And I remember how taken aback I was because even in that context, which was again, a a strictly professional political context, as a woman to see your appearance reflected back on you that way was really disheartening to have your appearance be something that is centered when you're trying to do something for your community, for your Mm -hmm. district, when you're trying to stand on behalf of issues such as healthcare, the last thing you want reflected back to you as a woman is your appearance, but it is it is a reality that we do have to deal with. So how much credence do we give it? How much space in the room do we give it in order to hold back to your point, Darian, our authentic selves? That's not fair. You know, we should be able to show up as our full selves. And Alejandra, I'm so sorry that you went through that. That's terrible. You know, it's, I don't think my story is in any way unique. That's that's the sad part is that I'd love to have a poll of women running for office and ask them how often they've had kind of inappropriate, if not directly offensive comments while they're running. The frustration is that you had gone to Harvard. You were there because you were smart. You know, when I look back, I actually I didn't say this before, but I've been thinking about how to say it. I sometimes am glad that I was married because people didn't say like awful things. But I will say that then it's like, well, is that because they thought I was somebody's property? And it is because I walked into an event at one point and some guy said to another guy, don't worry, she won't be married forever. That's horrible. (laughs) On like several different levels. So many levels. That is atrocious. I can't, and again, that... Our society feels like it is entitled to comment on women's bodies, on their appearance, to reach out, especially as women, Johanna, you and I were both pregnant, to reach out and touch women's bodies to talk about. Oh, I do that. Sorry. It's <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's it's really cool feeling a baby, but you do have to ask. You, you should ask. <laughs> but our bodies are not property, and it is unfortunate that happened during our time at the White House. 
and I just hope that for this new administration, I mean, we have so many hopes for the women of this new administration, but I hope that that is not the case and that the women will be judged on the quality of their character and nothing else. And that's one of the reasons why we're so excited to have Alexandra O'Neill on today for you guys is because not only is this an opportunity to talk about, you know, the ins and outs of how someone dresses a first lady, but also what are the implications of fashion for women and how is that changing and how much should we even take that into account when we're trying to think of how we want to present ourselves in the world? So without further ado, here she is, Alexandra O'Neill. Today, we are joined by Alexandra O'Neill, founder and designer of luxury women's wear label Markarian. Since its inception in 2017, Markarian has quickly become a fashion editor favorite worn by celebrities and influencers such as Kate Hudson, Kerry Washington, Lizzo, and most recently, our own first lady, Jill Biden. Welcome, Alexandra. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We want to talk to you, first of all, about what is the process of being selected to dress a first lady? Well, so Dr. Biden's team reached out to us in um, December. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. We had about a month to uh, make something. They reached out to us and a couple other designers to see some initial sketches and some initial ideas. Um, and then the look kind of just you know evolved from there. Wow. And so what was the inspiration behind that design? What made you pick it? So I wanted to make something that was um, feminine and classic, but also strong. So we had some really beautiful tailoring in there uh, for Dr. Biden. Um, The fabric I chose was this really beautiful blue tweed that had little metallic threads woven throughout it. And then I wanted it to, I wanted Dr. Biden to stand out on inauguration day. So we also hand sewed on some Swarovski crystals to the exterior of the coat and the dress. And then I hand embellished um, the neckline with some Swarovski crystals and pearls and a little floral motif. I love that. It's just beautiful. And I have to say, you know, this was personal to us because we all know Dr. Biden. She was our first guest on the podcast. We worked together in the Obama administration and we were involved in setting the last inauguration for President Obama, of course, his first. But this one was so different. It's a pandemic. And people are all having to watch from their homes and you are having to design masks. <laughs> Were there any elements specifically that they, you know, asked you to incorporate or that you thought of because of this moment that we're in in a global pandemic? So we like you said, we had to design masks. Um, we also had to do gloves. It, we had to do everything remotely. So all fittings were done remotely. Uh, there was a lot of shuffling the pieces back and forth in order to do tailoring. Um, it was definitely, I mean, with all things COVID, it, we had challenges when it, when it came to developing this look, but it was, uh, I mean, it's just a very, very different time right now to do anything, but we managed to make it work. Um, and then on top of that, we wanted to make sure that we were sending the right, uh, the right idea across, I guess, when it came to what she was wearing. Um, the fact that she chose an American designer, I, and, and a young woman, if I can call myself young. You certainly can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> um, I think was really amazing. And I think that it, it says a lot about 
what she's trying to do for, for American companies and American designers. And the fact that we also make everything in New York City's Garment Center, I think is an added bonus to be able to shine a spotlight on the Garment Center made it even more special for us, um, especially since you know the Garment Center itself is suffering and really dwindling. I think when people think of fashion, they kind of just think it's all like, you know, fun, beautiful things and it's just clothing and dresses and whatever, but there's an entire business and multiple livelihoods that depend on it. It's the second largest industry uh, in New York. Um, and there's so many jobs and so many things that come along with, with just making one dress. It's interesting that you mentioned the part about our first lady choosing an American designer, because notably our last first lady wore a lot of French and Italian designers. Now, how important do you think it is that our first lady wears American, especially emerging American and female designers? Um, I think that for me personally, it was uh, a game changer for my company and for my career. And to have that kind of um, spotlight shown on us nationally and internationally even um, was incredible. It was a singular moment. Like nothing like that will ever happen again in my career to dress the first lady for the first time for something that huge is never going to happen again. So having that kind of support and that kind of spotlight on us is, I mean, it, it, it's immeasurable. That's really incredible. You talk about having a career in this industry that is so huge. What got you started in that? Well, my grandmother taught me how to sew, sweet Gigi. She Aww. has lived with us ever since I was born. Um, she's 94. She just turned 94 earlier this month. Also just got her vaccine. Her oh, oh my God. Yes. That's great to hear. She taught me how to sew when I was 10. Um, I think I was always interested in it. And ever since then, I've just been obsessed with making clothing. Um, I used to go to the local fabric store in, you know, Colorado, oh, wow. <laughs> which are few and far between. And I would pick out a bunch of fabric and I would come home and I would lay it out on my grandmother's floor and she would help me like drape and put different things together. And that's kind of where my love of creating clothing came from. You know, you talk about this industry and kind of how it's morphing. Obviously, women are kind of taking ownership and we're seeing people respond to really all of the problems that we face as a country, climate change, the need to have ethical clothing. You know, there have been for too long sweatshops making a lot of our clothing. Can you tell me how is the fashion industry changing and how are you keeping up with all those changes? So the fashion industry is changing a lot and it's changing pretty quickly right now, um, which I think is a good thing. And it's something to be hopeful for and you know positive about. Um, years ago, the fashion industry was not very inclusive. It was not a very friendly place. And that's changed a lot over the past few years. It's so much more accepting, so much more inclusive. I mean, it still has a, a long way to go, but the fact that people are working to do that, I think is great. Um, you can't get away with being mean anymore because there's so many options out there that somebody will just choose somebody else. So I think that that's really encouraging as well. Um, as far as sustainability goes, I think any kind of effort that anybody's making uh, towards sustainability is incredible. And I see that designers and well, not only designers, but also stores, retailers, boutiques are, are pushing for that too. Um, and I think that that's really, really encouraging. 
Um, as far as we go, we make everything to order. Um, so that's in an effort to reduce waste. Even our wholesale orders are all cut to order. We also recycle all of our fabric scraps. So anything that we can't turn into something else, like a little jewelry pouch or um, like any other kind of bag or mask or anything, we recycle through this really great company that I found recently. It's called TerraCycle, actually. And they have different recycling things for anything you could ever think of. So they will send you a box and you can put all of your batteries in there, or they'll send you a different box and you can put all of your laundry detergent containers in there. Um, so we happen to use the fabric scrap box. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) What is the company again? It's called TerraCycle. Huh? That's awesome. It's great. So like anything you can think of that you would never know that you could recycle, they managed to find a way to recycle it. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's great. And so I, I mean, I was also really encouraged by all of the different kinds of women's bodies you've dressed and all of them just are outstandingly beautiful. I particularly loved the design that you did for Lizzo. And I believe that confidence is beauty. And, but I wonder, you know, you've seen some of the most beautiful, spectacular women of all looks and types. What is it, you know, how much of style is based on confidence? What is it that makes the look? I mean, I think all of style is based on confidence. I mean, if you're not feeling confident in what you're wearing, it obviously shows or very visibly shows. Um, Lizzo was one of the more exciting things that I've gotten to do. It was so cool when we were asked to do that. I think we had 24 hours to turn around a dress, but we like really wanted to make it happen just because it was such an incredible opportunity. And Lizzo herself is just like the most like joyous, adorable, uh, beautiful person. She's just so great. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we got that, uh, made that happen. But I think all of it comes down to confidence. I mean, this whole idea of having to dress like in pants and a suit and whatever for women to feel um, like strong and be taken seriously just is not a modern uh, idea anymore. It's like not the way people do things. Like you can wear like a ridiculously frilly girly dress and feel confident in, in it and just be taken just as seriously and feel just as strong in it. I love that. And that actually brings me to my next question, which is now that you've started dressing women in politics, we've seen different first ladies or or congresswomen or so on be judged in that way. What do you see as your role as a designer when you dress a, a political figure, a politician, a woman who is a candidate? Do you take extra care into what it is the message is? Always. So I think this notion of... Um like I said before, having to dress seriously and like in boring colors and whatever to be taken seriously is outdated and it just doesn't really exist anymore. And I think that, you know, feminine is power, like to be feminine is powerful and people are now embracing that. And I think that that's really amazing. That's why when I did Dr. Biden's look, I wanted to make sure that she looked feminine and classic because that there is power in that. When I look at women in politics, one of the people who immediately pops up is a woman with a storied career, and that's Hillary Clinton. And for so long, she was really heavily criticized for some of her fashion choices. Do you think that there was a way that she could have been embraced more 
if she had been styled differently? Well, I think that she clearly was wearing something that she felt comfortable in. Right. Um, because she kept returning to it. Uh, and, you know, for her, that was a pantsuit. And I don't think there's anything wrong in that. I think people wanted her to dress differently, maybe wanted her to dress more in a more feminine way. But again, I think that it's important for her to, to you know, dress in what makes her feel comfortable and confident. And for her, that was a pantsuit. I agree. I love a good pantsuit. Me too. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. If that is like what you choose to, you know, feel. And I think it's important to just, you know, be authentic to yourself. Very much so. It's interesting to me that so many people do kind of jump on the bandwagon of criticizing a woman. And I saw this, you know, Vogue, of course, did the cover with Vice President Harris. And there was this public uproar about seeing a vice president in casual clothes. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you expect? Occasionally she wears casual clothes. And, uh, you know, P.S., they all actually occasionally go to bed. <laughs> and, and it's amazing Hi. to me the <laughs> expectations. You know, what did you think? Did you have any thoughts seeing kind of that back and forth and what's appropriate now? So I think with that cover, what made everybody so... Um, what, what gave everybody so much like fire and passion about it is the fact that people, I think that they were so excited for, for the vice president. And I think they wanted her to be portrayed in, in her best way possible. And so they felt like enraged on her behalf maybe. Um, but I don't know. I don't think anybody has any right to be, you know, en enraged on somebody's behalf by the way they look. Um, she loves her converses. She, she always goes back to them. She does. She loves them. It's, it's something that she loves. And I think she styled herself for the shoot. So I don't know why anybody else would have had anything to say about that. Um, I thought, I mean, she always looks so beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. My favorite part of the Smithsonian was always, you know, the first lady's dresses. And it is interesting now that we're going to have the first female vice president. And do we now do the first female vice president's dresses? Like, what's I mean, the next gen? I guess so. I guess, I guess so. I mean, that would be amazing. Her look was beautiful. That Sergio Hudson look she wore that night was so beautiful. That, like, beautiful black opera coat was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It is definitely a museum piece. I, I saw it firsthand. I think all of us have seen it firsthand that women are judged by what they wear and how they present themselves, even before the words that they speak. So I, I wonder, while we're working within that system, how can we express ourselves in our fashion so that we can kind of take back the power and the ownership of presenting who we want to be taken as? So I think that for women or for anybody, really, um, how you dress says a lot about what the image that you're trying to put out there. And then in return, I mean, people do judge women mostly on what they're wearing and their looks initially uh, before they even get to know them. But I do think that even more so recently, even in the past like few years, um, women are kind of taking that power back and they're saying, hey, like, 
as I was saying before, I don't need to wear like a pantsuit to be taken seriously. If I want to wear a pantsuit, that's great. Like I'm going to do that. Like I was saying, there's power in femininity and you can kind of wear whatever you want as, as long as you wear it with confidence. I think that's like women taking, taking the power back is, is truly wearing what they want to wear and presenting themselves how they want to present themselves no matter what it is that they're, that what they're wearing or how, how they're dressing or looking or whatever, and doing it with confidence. I wrote an op-ed once about this very topic, and it was about how the fact that we've been made to feel that our femininity and our intelligence are inversely related somehow. And what do you say to folks to think that, you know, being feminine, wearing heels, wearing color, you know, wearing spaghetti straps somehow makes you less <laughs> intelligent? I mean, it's an age-old stereotype uh, that's really unfair. I think that women should be allowed to wear whatever they want to wear and not be judged by it like that. I think that as long as, I know I keep saying this over and over again, but as long as you do something with confidence and you truly believe in it, you shouldn't be judged to, to be less serious or taken less seriously or for, I mean, at worst for people to think that you're stupid because you're wearing spaghetti straps. That's just, it's not a modern way of thinking. Sleeve gate. We remember it. It was like, <laughs> you know, Mrs. Obama couldn't show her arms. And she has um, great arms. Why yes, she does. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst part. And maybe that's what they were, that's what people were intimidated by. But it's so great for you to be encouraging women to step into their femininity and to step into what makes them comfortable. So we are grateful to you for that. Well, thanks. I truly believe it. I mean, Mrs. Obama, like, again, has great arms. She clearly works for those arms. Like, she should show them. <laughs> yeah, she should. Well, and I, I did. I loved your Lizzo, um, your Lizzo design. And I, I love Lizzo. She's breaking the bounds in every possible way so that all the rest of us can someday maybe not wear our pantsuits. <laughs> that was a really fun one. I, I loved her, too. That was great. Well, to wrap, how would you dress our vice president if you had the chance? Oh, man. Well, when I was dressing Dr. Biden, we had like a really nice dialogue of, of what she was looking for and what she feels comfortable in and what she likes to wear, what she doesn't like to wear. Um, so I guess I would just take into account what what the vice president is looking for. I mean, I, I can't really say. <laughs> she seems like she's not shy about wearing color and, and kind no. of stepping outside the box, right? Well, that's what's so fun about dressing these women is that they're really open to anything. When I was making um, Dr. Biden's look, they were really open to any idea that I threw at them. Um, and they gave us a lot of creative liberty, which was which was amazing. And that's kind of the best way to go about it, I think, when when you're a designer is to, you know, show them what you're good at and and what you think and then kind of have that back and forth about how you could tweak it and what makes it more them and and things like that. Well, and it's interesting because on men, like even uh, President Obama couldn't wear a tan suit. So it's like they don't have any leeway. <laughs> they don't. I know. Oh, so we got to we got to write this imbalance. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Alexandra O'Neill, founder and designer of Markarian. We look forward to seeing your beautiful designs over the next four years. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This was really fun, guys. Thanks for being on. <laughs> Truly, I can't wait to see this dress in the Smithsonian someday.
This week, our Pottis of the Week goes to an incredible woman who we lost, Cicely Tyson. Um, she's a groundbreaking, pioneering actress who really upended every mold and expectation of what a woman should be and what she should look like and what she should sound like and what she should do, and we will be forever indebted. You're right. She was an icon, and we will truly miss her. Rest in power, Cicely Tyson. And our shout-out of the week has to do with this week in Super Bowl, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take on the defending champions, Kansas City Chiefs. It'll also feature the first female NFL referee, Sarah Thomas. We're excited for her abilities to be put on display, and we also want to note that she is the only female NFL referee out there. And we're so excited to see more women follow her footsteps. Good luck. And this week we have one bonus shout out and that is to our amazing producer of Pod is a Woman. It is her birthday, Lauren Lagrasso. Happy, happy birthday. Truly, we could not do this podcast without you. We are so grateful. And we love you so much. For those of you that are just joining us on Pod is a Woman, we love your reviews. We read them and they help us expand our visibility. So go ahead and leave us one if you enjoy what you're hearing. And we will be back with you guys next week. Have a good one.